Welcome to episode five of the Four Wide Salute podcast. Your host, Casey, back in action again. Ah, what an interesting week. Uh, First and foremost, the news came out on the High Side Hustle on Thursday night that the Four Wide Salute podcast will now be part of the National Racing Network uh, being distributed by them. You will get the same content, the same podcast you guys have been getting for the past few weeks. Uh, It'll just have a nice little NRN tag at the bottom of the logo. And it's going to be the same content, uh, all done by myself. Just a little distribution help from uh, Chris Graham and the team over at National Racing Network. Uh, Glad to be part of a team along with Bert and Adam and Chris, of course. Uh, Looking forward to it. Hopefully we can bring in some new uh, listeners and a new audience. So so let's start with Daytona. Uh, Very long day for all of us that stuck around to watch the ending of that. You know, I saw a lot of people bitching and complaining about the length of it. Seven hours, eight hours, whatever it may be. And you know what? Every one of us in the dirt world has done that more than once. We've all gone to the track super early. We've all tailgated, waited out rain delays, waited out a bad red that took forever to clean up. We've all done it. And we've all gotten home late. Yeah, it was a work night for some. Others had off on Monday for President's Day, but you know what? We all do it. We've all done it in person. We just got to do it in the comfort of our own home, uh, put something different on TV up until nine o'clock Eastern time and, you know, had back at it again. I don't see the big deal. Yeah, I wish it would have been over a little bit before midnight, but it is what it is. And we've all done it before and we'll all do it again. So I don't think there's any reason to really complain. Now, I will say, I think the last lap wreck on a super speedway track is getting a little outdated. It seems that every race at Talladega or every race at Daytona is ending that way. It's tearing up a ton of race cars, which is a lot of money for these owners. And is it really beneficial to the sport that this is what it's coming to? Just something to think about. Just my opinion, my question, just putting it out there. Now, Michael McDowell, of course, was the recipient of watching the Penske boys kind of wreck each other and creating the mass chaos they did. So hats off to, you know, Michael McDowell going from that bad wreck at Texas and the double zero car years ago. You know, people think he thought he wasn't going to walk away from that and he ended up doing it. So, you know, uh came full circle for him last Sunday night, early Monday morning. And, you know, now he's part of a list of a very elite crowd and no one can ever take that away from him. Uh, Nothing really going on this past week as far as, uh, you know, the local dirt scene. Uh, Lincoln was supposed to go off, got postponed to the 27th now. We're all going to keep our fingers crossed and hopes that they're able to get that show in. We are expecting more snow this week, I think twice. 
So, uh, you know, my cooler's ready to go. My blankets are ready to go. Uh, hopefully we get to throw them in the car and, and get to see some sprint cars at Lincoln. Uh, Georgetown is only two, three weeks away. It's almost here, folks. Uh, the Pretty much the annual modified kickoff in the Northeast is just about here. And uh, I'm looking forward to it, looking forward to a fun weekend, seeing everybody that I haven't seen in a few months. And uh, hopefully it's a great show, great, uh, you know, a great event. Uh, and then, you know, Sealand's Groove and Port Royal for the Modifieds are right around the corner as well. So a lot of things coming up. This season is almost here, guys. Uh, you know, Lincoln's supposed to kick off their season opener after the icebreaker. Uh, they're going to be running every Saturday. And then Port Royal has their opener on the following Sunday, early March. So uh, I think it's uh, about that time that we're no longer going to be sitting at home on the weekends, which is a good thing for a lot of us. Uh, Extreme Dirt Car Series ran uh, yesterday being Saturday and of course today they ran at Lakeview Motor Speedway in South Carolina yesterday the boss Ross Bales took home the checkered flag some of you may not agree with that and some may Uh, I was kind of stunned with how that all came to be Uh, Matthew Nance leading the whole feature with about 15 to go, 16 to go. A slow car in front of him broke. He gets into the rear end of that lap car. Bale's running second, gets into them as well. Nance never comes to a complete stop through the turn. And for those of you who understand the rules of how this normally works, if you don't stop in the middle of a wreck and you keep your momentum going, you can resume your spot in which you were at. Now, Bales running second, as far as the footage showed, he was sitting all but backwards, sideways, however you look at it, in turn three, at a complete stop. Maybe it rolled back and he picked it back up and actually never stopped, but from what I saw and what a lot of you seen on Dirt Vision, he did stop. He was allowed to take back his second place position on the restart, which I was wondering the same thing a lot of you were. How can that be? And of course, with four to go, uh, he pulled a brilliant move. Ross Bales, the, for the majority of the, of the race, everyone was kind of running the bottom. Guys would try to run around the outside or the middle of the track and go nowhere with it. Bales put in a, a gorgeous effort in running around the the high side especially through one and two would lose some ground and then pick it back up and ended up catching nance and passed him on that outside so uh with about four to go bales took the lead never looked back pulled away by like a full straightaway for the win controversial uh situation there with if he should have gotten his spot back or not in the end the win stuck uh so hats off to ross bales on the win kings of thunder 360s ran at keller auto speedway in california macedo <laughs> carson macedo leading late in the race jumped the the cushion in turn two and shane golovic stole that win from him 
uh, hats off to Shane Golubek. And down in Florida, Tim Schaefer in the Hefner 72 picked up uh, another win in the 360 division uh, over Mark Smith. Good to see the Hefner car getting back to victory lane on a uh, uh, twice so far this year, and it hasn't even debuted in the Northeast yet or in Central PA. So uh, congrats to that team. And then the Extreme Dirt Car Series ran today. Sunday at Cherokee Speedway in South Carolina again. Uh, Smokey Chris Madden dominated the feature. He did start, I believe, outside pole and kind of just ran away with it. Uh, Bales kind of started to reel him in, but then Lappers got involved and Madden never looked back. And Stewie showed up. Uh, He did run on Saturday, got a top five. He did run again today at Cherokee, won the LCQ, timed horribly, whether the track was going away or they had an issue, I'm not sure, timed horribly, did not make it through his heat, had to run the LCQ, won the LCQ by a landslide, started 16th in the feature and actually got himself up to a top five. Uh, Looks like he's starting to get the feel for that late model and uh, maybe we'll see him in victory lane shortly, who knows. But, uh, all around, nice little late model action going on. Christopher Bell took home the win at Daytona on the road course. Very impressive to see him in his second start in the uh, 20 Gibbs car. You know, he comes from the dirt world. We all pull for him. Uh, congrats to him. That's all about I have for uh, the opening of this week's episode. We will be back again next Sunday for uh, episode number six. But without further ado, I'm going to jump into my conversation I had uh, about a week ago with modified uh, standout, modified rookie, if you want to call him that. LJ Lombardo, the outlaw, runs primarily at Lebanon Valley and also at Orange County. But I think uh, listening to our conversation We may see him down in the Pennsylvania, New Jersey area uh, in due time. And we get into some great conversation, uh, you know, about the the big block, small block guys hopping in 602 crates. And uh, we learn about PMC race cars. Very interesting conversation. A good one at that. So uh, without further ado, here is LJ Lombardo. LJ, what's going on, my friend? And nothing much. I'm happy to be on here. Absolutely. Got to get somebody, you know, a little bit further away from my home, uh, maybe bring in a new crowd, bring on someone they're not exactly familiar with and, uh, you know, see what they can learn about some of the uh, the upstate New York guys that we got. Absolutely. No, I, uh, I've been trying to venture down your way and you always try to venture up our way. So it works out good. Oh, yeah. I come see you a lot more than you come see me. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so when when can we expect you to make your debut you know south of the pa new york border uh well we will be um at georgetown in march really yeah that was a actually just talked about yesterday um we're gonna go down with our crate car uh, i put together a, a new crate team this year the to add on to our big block program and uh, we got a, a good sponsor that came along and he wants to run as much as we possibly can. So anytime it allows me to run races, like if it's a dirt sanctioned event, obviously I'm not allowed to run them, but the Deo series does allow you to. So we'll, uh, 
we'll start at Georgetown on March 13th. And then the following weekend is Selins Grove. So we'll hit those two before we do anything in New York. Oh, hell, I'll get to see you, what, race three times in a matter of two weeks. That's awesome. Perfect. Oh, yeah. Uh, you, now you're getting out of my territory. But uh, <laughs> do you still have the spec motor that you were talking about? Yeah, we have a actually we have a 358 getting put together. Um, we're we're trying to put together another 358 deal for like special shows in Lebanon Valley and Eastern states and all that towards the end of the year. But just as of right now, is we got uh, two crate teams that are running out of our shop that I run for, and we have our our full big block program. So we should have at least one car in each class this year. Well, if you don't make it down to uh, to Big Diamond, you know, where I reside on a Friday night, we do run crates. So you are more than welcome to come down and uh, throw your hat in the mix. I would be fully down with that, especially when, you know, the, the series runs through there. And um, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Short Track Super Series has a race there this year, correct? Yeah, they do every year. It's the only combo point show. That's right. That's right. That's right. No, I, I'm definitely cool with it. And especially I mean, if our 358 deal goes through correctly, I wouldn't mind bringing one out there uh, even more than the crate card. But I'm not afraid to run both in one night either. I'll, I'll do whatever I have to do. Just make sure that spec motor is, you know, it's a spec motor, not an open 358. Oh, no, it'll be it'll be spec spec. That's all we can run at Lebanon Valley and Middletown. Oh, really? Yeah, you have to be spec. I think Middletown allows you to run like a open intake open exhaust you got to weigh more so it's kind of not the right uh not the right option but um yeah we're gonna have full spec motors nice yeah um just went over our schedule on a a midweek episode we did and uh there's a ton of money up for grabs uh with the modifieds and even with the crates we got a lot of um good stuff on the schedule so you'll definitely have to venture down on a friday night for sure absolutely i agree so uh first question i want to get off the table here is I uh, was watching Volusia Thursday night and we were supposed to meet up yesterday, but Mm -hmm. just as I had heard from you, I hear Shane Andrews announce that you put in picks for who was going to (laughs) win. I absolutely did. I, uh, I I set up the race at work. Hopefully my boss isn't listening. Um, I was just listening to them. They said, send your, uh, send your picks in. And I, I should never do it because my picks never win. So I pretty much put a, you know, put a dark cloud over top of them as soon as I do. I have, if I don't have bad luck, I don't have any at all. So <laughs> I, uh, that's I not did, true. I, and we'll I, touch on that later on. That's but. true. That's true. I, uh, I did pick Peter Britton. He was in the fence lap one. I'm sorry about that, Peter. Um, but him and T-Mac, they both had, you know, not too good at night. So and, and T-Mac it packed up and went home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. So, he, uh, yeah, too, there, too there, there was a black cloud uh, over your picks for sure last night. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm sorry to them. <laughs> Did you stay up and watch the whole thing? No, I actually as soon as it started raining, I was uh, I was in my room sleeping. So that was yeah. I didn't even watch the duels at Daytona or anything. I'm not a I guess I wasn't a good race fan last night. Uh, it's it's what it is. I mean, you could have put on USAC. They That's didn't true. have rain and it was dirt. But yeah, uh, back either. I, I like anything that's involved in motorsports. I'll watch. Uh, it don't matter if it's shopping carts. If they have motors on them, I'm watching it. Yeah. Have Well, you ran Chili Bowl. Absolutely. I have. So you, you've run your wingless stuff. It's not like you're, you know, just a, a quote unquote mud turtle guy. You've ran your wingless stuff. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, we stood up and well, we watched USAC and then 
they came on and said they were packing, they were starting to dig up and and pack the track evolution. I'm like, holy hell, they're going to run this thing. And they brought out the the well third heat, well first heat after the rain delay for the late models at five after eleven. Wow. Yeah. That's a little a uh, little past my bedtime now. I didn't make it either. I <laughs> after the heat races and yeah before the uh, before the last chance qualifiers, I was like, I can't even keep my eyes up. I'm going to bed. Mm-hmm. Which was interesting when I got up this morning and saw the debacle that occurred uh, between Max and and Matt. Yeah. Oh, wow. Didn't that yeah. set the Internet on fire today? I never saw that coming. You know, it's uh, I, you know, I had this conversation today and this is the easiest way to put it, especially for people listening that don't exactly get in these cars to do it. Um, it's never my place to say anything about other people's situations, but when you do this for a living, it's, you kind of take this in a different aspect. And, mm-hmm. uh, when you get passed by a car, not like if you get wrecked by a car, it's one thing, but if you get passed by somebody, you know, you look at this more as not just, I lost the spot, but there goes about 250 bucks or 500 bucks or whatever it is that just drove by you because the further you finish back, the less money you get. And I think, uh, I think racers start to take everything to heart a lot more when that is put into play. And it took me a while to realize that. And, you know, it's, it's the truth. I understand why people get so aggravated and so frustrated because you work so hard to do something and you know, you're going to have a good car and it just gets swiped right away from you like that. But it's also a tough deal. I mean, it it was raining and, and I saw Max, he was talking about how he hit the, hit the, hit the mud there and slid up into him. I could see both sides completely. So I, I don't know, more of a racing deal, I guess. You know what? And that's a great point that you brought up about what Max said, because if anybody that, you know, is debating any type of intentional uh, incident that occurred, I actually don't think it was. And I'll tell you why. I did catch the first few laps, I think, of the first last chance qualifier before I dozed off of the late models. And Mark Whitener stopped in turn one on the bottom. And when they went to hook him up, the rear tires of the the uh, the tow truck were actually spinning in the swamp that was around the bottom of turn one. Of course. So if you got super low or you got, you know, your left side touched that, it's very well possible that you could push right for sure. Exactly. As soon as you touch the gas pedal, too, you don't really know where the car is going to go. And then you're kind of waiting for grip. And, you know, I, I feel like if Shepard was a half a car length up, Max would have still slid up, but I think he would have grabbed the grip before he touched him. But it's yes. just, it's one of those deals. I mean, maybe they even shouldn't even have ran right away. You know, they, they should have even did more track prep, not knocking them at all. They did everything they could to get people back on the racetrack. But it's just, it's a catch-22, man. There's there's a chance where something bad can happen because of track conditions. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, well, and we've seen it other places too. Um, but, you know, to a lot to that point about maybe they should have waited there were a lot of late model guys who didn't even come back out who said, Screw yep. it, they're going to pack up for the night. They're not going to. And it wasn't the it wasn't your outlaw regulars because they were still running for points last night. But of it course. was your your Lucas Oil guys who were like, I'm not going to, you know, risk me wrecking everything I got for this. Exactly. Yeah, even, not- even when they were interviewing guys after their heat races, there were guys who were like, I don't even know why we're out here. This is ridiculous. Yeah. But, nope. you know. Like it's that. a it's a cash 22 because you know you're a race car driver i'm an official you rarely ever come to a meeting of the minds that you agree on everything and, exactly. and 
there's going to be a pushback somewhere. Exactly. Now, there's not many times where you see, uh, you know, there's always going to be a couple of racers that are going to, you know, agree with an official because it's going to help them. But most of the time, the racers and officials don't get along too well. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's just you have a different mindset, especially track owners. Of you know, course. I give it to them. You're trying to, you know, appease everybody or you're trying to make money or you're trying to appease all the people that are watching in your grandstands or at home. And it's not necessarily always the right call. Was it last night? We can't make that decision. No, but, um, it was very interesting to say the least this morning when I got up. That was for sure. I agree. No, it's definitely uh, you don't want to see stuff happen like that because in a racer standpoint, it's a lot of money, a lot of time and effort put into stuff for it to go to not to go to waste, but uh, an accident like that to happen. It's just the uh, extracurricular activities that happen afterwards is not really stuff you want to see. It's it's kind of, you know, get back after it tomorrow is the way that I look at it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, did you run the Centennial? race at uh, orange county yeah we uh we actually blew up thursday night and uh all day friday we thrashed put another motor in the car we missed the the 160 lapper by one spot and i am the most grateful person in the world that we missed it because i would have been <laughs> direct i like to put the car up against the fence i'm not scared to go to the top and that just tells me that i would have been probably through the fence i but was there the and same, same thing as like you just said right. though who knows if that was the right call or not. Everybody has their own way of saying it. And the people right. that the drivers that, you know, did good by it, of course they loved the call and the drivers did bad by it, hated the call. You're never going to make everybody happy. So they stuck to one thing and rolled with it. I think personally, Orange County did a good job, even though they had to back backpedal, they did a good job sticking to their word afterwards. You know, I give them a lot of credit when it comes to, you know, that night, I was there. I couldn't believe how bad it rained. And they got the track back in a little under two hours. I couldn't it, believe it. It was the best race I think I've ever seen in my life. I It's one of the best ones I've seen, especially when it comes to modifieds. Yeah. As wide as that track was, and you had guys running everywhere. Exactly. Bottom, top, middle. They they were. It was like East Bay on a great night. I, I agree. And I, I like watching the racetracks from all the other places. And I, I compare ours to them. And I always say, yeah, you know. They should do this and they should do that. And everybody always has their two cents to put in. But I think that uh, they made the track absolutely phenomenal for that whole race. Yeah, I mean, and and after having that rain and being able to get the track back that quick and even Eastern states, um, not this past year, but the year before when it rained Sunday morning. And yep. they were yep. in there pumping water out. And I'm like, we we went home. There was no way we could stay. I was um, ready to go home, too. <laughs> We I were couldn't believe up, it. I said, there's no way we're racing. Not a chance in hell. And we I did. couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. They what? I mean, what did they roll off like nine o'clock at night or something like that? I couldn't believe it. It was late. We didn't get home that night until about three, four o'clock in the morning. We're only 45 minutes from Middletown. Wow. It, it was rough for sure. Yeah, that was that was insane. And I remember driving home down down Route 33 through the Poconos and we're like, we can't see at 1130 in the morning because it was raining that hard. I'm yeah. like, there's no way they're racing tonight. Nope. Sure as shit. They fired him off. I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. But, you know. uh, yeah. Middletown's full of um, a lot of great history, but it's also full of a lot of good current stuff, too. I agree. We're uh, we're actually that's part of our schedule this year. We, uh, 
I haven't released my schedule yet. We were going over a few things the past couple weeks and we're pretty much set in stone on what we want to do. And we're going to go to, uh, we're going to go to Middletown to start the year. Um, that obviously we'll do the crate stuff and at Georgetown and selling the curve, like I said, but mm-hmm. to start off the point season, we're going to run Middletown opening night. And the following week after that, we'll go to Albany, Saratoga on Friday and run there weekly in Lebanon Valley Saturday. But the Thursday night deal that Orange County is doing, I know a lot of people have seen the schedule that they put out and they're mm-hmm. doing three or four Thursday night shows. So we're going to hit all of those on top of our weekly Friday, Saturday deal. Wow. And the reason why is they're kind of doing like a, a chase point style, kind of like NASCAR. And if we can go there opening night and pull off a win opening night or one of the Thursday night shows, it locks you like into the next round is the way they're doing it. Mm-hmm. So you never know. We, we literally can go there opening night and pull off a win opening night and not have to go back for a month and still be in the chase for the championship. It's like, it's so crazy to me how, how they're doing it. And there's a lot of people really upset about it. Like local guys that pour their heart and soul into that racetrack. And I understand that, but as an outsider standpoint, like I don't think Shepard's going back and, I think like somebody like him is going to go and he can win opening night and not have to come back for a month. Like we would like to do. And yep. it helps outsiders like us be able to go there and try to make more money. So in my eyes, it's a great idea because it's going to help us in the long run. But again, I see both sides of it. It's just, we're going to, we're going to try to play our cards at three different racetracks this year. They're going to try something different. That's what they're going to do. I, don't I, blame them. I applaud them for trying exactly. something different because you know what? <laughs> If it works and it draws in and it draws your people, it draws your car counts, whatever it does to benefit you, there's other tracks that are going to try something similar too. Yep. I changed our handicapping structure two years ago and I didn't know how it was going to play out. And I was just, I went over it a thousand times. I'm like, this is the thing we need to do. And I think we had a great year last year with it. I really do. So, you know, lead changes and all the divisions happened numerous times. Points were tighter and it just made for better competition on a weekly basis. So, you know what? It could very easily work for them. It could. Oh, exactly. Exactly. You never know unless you try it either. I mean, if you just stick to the whole, you know, handicap system like you've been doing or or anything you do with all of your schedules, the exact same every year. Yeah. It's great that everybody's going to know, but you got to throw a monkey wrench in once in a while. I always say that I like change. I'm a, I'm a big person that enjoys change and trying to better yourself. I, I've always been huge on that. And they're trying to, they're trying to be the, the racetrack in the Northeast. And do I think it's going to happen overnight? Absolutely not. And they know it's not, it's just, they're doing everything in their power to make that place better every year. And I do, I really do applaud them. Yeah, I mean, they're putting together a, a slingshot track, which I would have never thought in a million years I'd see at Orange County, but they're definitely doing it. So, hey, more power to them. I agree 100%. Just, you know, I'll allow you to run the crate car, but don't be dropping down the slingshots. <laughs> I think my problem is, is I can't fit in one. <laughs> I lost 50 pounds since uh, since July, but I think I'd have to lose another 50 to be able to get in one of those things. <laughs> wow that's 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 funny <laughs> so um, i've always wanted to go to atlantic city and run one it's, it's always been a goal of mine but we always joke around i'm like man i always say i want to go i can't even put my seat in the damn car there's no way i can go 
hey, if you want to go to Atlantic City and race, then you need to get yourself in a TQ. I agree. We we actually were thinking about getting one. Uh, this this guy Tony Garcia has been supporting me since I was a little kid, and he's the uh, he's the type of sponsor that, like we say, we like change. He wants to try exotic things. If I said, "Hey, let's go buy another Billy the Kid motor," he'd probably say, "Oh, uh, you know." Let's go get something that you can run once a year and go have fun with and not, you know, absolutely need every single week. He wants to buy, you know, uh, he wants to buy a car for the Chili Bowls we've been talking about. And he wants to buy two of them. And he's like, listen, we'll buy two. We can either rent one car out or go down with two cars and have a backed up car. Like, let's do something that you've always wanted to do, not just what you're doing now. So I think that's next on the list. We want to try to get either a TQ or a midget so we can go to the chili bowl or have something to run at Atlantic city and Trenton and, and all that. But that's, uh, that's what I like. I like to do things where it's out of my comfort zone. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's great to broaden your horizon. You know, like you said, with tracks, you know, running the same schedule every year and it's the same thing. And, you know, week in and week out, you got to throw a monkey wrench in there. The same thing goes to develop yourself as a driver. I agree. hundred percent. So, um, you know, you said about this, you know, this guy supporting you since you were a kid. So where did your racing career actually start? So uh, before me, um, all the way through the, the family tree, my my grandfather used to own race cars at the old Danbury races. And it's kind of weird how I came up to be a big block dirt modified driver because my whole family was involved in asphalt. And once Danbury closed down, my father was, I think, 15 years old. He was building his own race car. So he said, screw this. We're going to go dirt racing instead because it was the next closest thing to us. And it just branched off from there. I uh, I started racing go-karts when I was three years old. I have two brothers and two sisters, and every one of us raced. They're all older than me. And we all raced at the exact same time. So my dad had his hands full for sure. And we made it work. And they all uh, they got older and wanted to do different things, just like other people do. My sister wanted to dance. My other sister wanted to cheerlead. I wanted to drive race cars, so I uh, I stuck to it and never once ever missed the season since I was three years old. And I just worked my way up as much as I possibly could. Well, for those of you who don't know LJ, if you'd ever seen him, especially up at the 31st lap at Orange County, we're going to be very thankful that he chose to race and not cheerlead or dance. <laughs> uh, that's funny because I definitely can't sing, dance, nothing. Sometimes I can drive. So, man, at least I can I, I can do that sometimes. <laughs> well, uh, the white you know, claws, they get to me, man. That's That's it. You and White Claws, man, every time I see a commercial, a meme, a post, something, I'm like, God damn LJ. I love it. <laughs> so uh, let, let's fast forward to, uh, you know, you hopping in a big block. Um, 2017, man, you decide to drag race with one of the best at, at Lebanon Valley, as far as I'm concerned, J.R. Hefner, and you beat him out for the checkered. How was that? That was a, I, I just got the chills, honestly, thinking about it, because that was a huge step. We uh, grew up racing Middletown, um, always wanted to run a big block, but money was always a big factor. And, of course, we picked, uh, as Billy the Kid calls it, the dirt track dyno, the USA. We went to Lebanon Valley, and if you don't have horsepower, you're definitely not going to compete. And we went there with a motor that 
I don't want to say didn't belong there, but it was an older big block and probably shouldn't have ran Lebanon Valley with it. And once we picked up that win, I believe it was my fifth race there. Uh, we started fourth and got the lead early and just took off and he reeled me all the way in and we finally beat him at the line. But that was, uh, that was a game changer. It's a, it's a story I talk about all the time because I left, I left for vacation the next day on Sunday and I was on a fishing charter, uh, Thursday, the, the following week. And Paul, we know the guy who now owns my full operation, he called me and wanted to sponsor us. And he said, he's going to give us some money for the rest of the year. See how much we need to get through the season. You know, here we are in 2021 and he, he owns everything that we run with our big block program. So that was a, a huge night for my future. Wow. Yeah. I mean, nowadays, I think you see more guys in a better situation and they start to, you know, they start to knock off some wins here and there in a better ride. But seeing guys, especially in a big block, and I mean, and no offense, you're not running for a crap ton of money on a weekly basis at a track where, again, you need horsepower, you need a great motor program, and you're running up there with very little sponsorship on the car. And you somehow knock off a win. I mean, coming out of turn four, that last lap, what are you thinking? Uh, I thought I was going to pass out, to be honest with you. I can believe it. I dreamed of that since I was a little kid. I mean, I I never in a million years, if you asked me 10 years ago, would I ever win at Lebanon Valley? I would tell you, you're absolutely crazy because I never thought it'd be done. But it's a it's a huge thing in life because, you know, you can talk to these younger people. And, and I was that kid that sat in the grandstands every week and said, you know, I want to be like that guy. I want to be like that guy. And then, you know, we're there that night, Brett Hearn finished third. So that's somebody I always looked up to since I was a little kid and we beat Brett that night. So it, it could happen to anybody. If you, if you stick to it and you keep your mindset on something, don't ever, ever let somebody tell you you can't do it because I'm telling you, you can. So, um, Let's fast forward to the following year, 2018. You got to tell the story about the house rat. (laughs) So we, uh, we bought a motor, uh, we bought a used motor, but it was like freshly rebuilt from Billy the kid. And, uh, opening night, just something went wrong. We dropped a valve and there was a bad batch of valves that were going around to all different engine builders. And it was a super huge heartbreak. It was first time with Billy the kid and, you know, he just, he did everything the correct way. He treats us so good. And he said, listen, I'm going to help you. You don't have a second big block because Paul, we know was sponsoring me. Didn't own our race team yet. We only had one car, one motor, you know, it's, we were going to get the motor fixed and everything was going to be good. But when we broke that motor, it needed head work. It needed valves. It needed pistons. I mean, it was just, it was destroyed and it had eight laps on it. So Billy, the kid called me and he said, uh, I need you to come down to my shop. And he's only about 35, 40 minutes from us. And I was all bummed out, went to a shop waiting for bad news, you know, for the motor to be done. And we're not gonna be able to race next week. And he said, bring a truck. And I'm like, hey, well, what the fuck is going on here? So I pulled, uh, as soon as I came in, he put a big block right in the back of the truck. And he said, go have fun. It's on me. So he gave us a big block to use. It was, he rents out motors once in a while. And he, uh, 
he said, listen, I'm going to fix your motor. It's going to take two weeks. You take this. And as soon as he went to the racetrack <laughs> after hot laps, I said, Billy, I want to buy this motor. It's awesome. And he says, it's not for sale, kid. <laughs> <laughs> but we wound up winning that night by seven and a half seconds. And <laughs> we checked out completely. And I literally told him again in victory lane. I said, Billy, I don't care how much it costs. I will literally scratch up pennies off the ground just to pay for this. I want this motor. And still to this day, he has that motor and is not for sale. <laughs> but it's, it's funny because like when we won with that, it was the year prior. It was 2017 and it was the last, it was champions night at Middletown, either champions night or the night before that. And, uh, Anthony Prego broke his engine the week before and used it. He calls it the house rats. Mm-hmm. And as he has a house motor for the small block, he calls it the house mouse. Cause it's smaller. And, <laughs> Um, Anthony actually has won with both of them. And then we won with the house rat after that. So the house rat is two for two in, uh, in race cars, which is hilarious to me, but that's very interesting. You know, I, I've never heard a story of another engine builder having, you know, uh, I mean, and they most likely do have the same scenarios happen, but I don't know that any other one has had the record that this one has had. That's for sure. Exactly. I mean, and honestly, like not to knock other engine builders at all. Listen, they're, they're all great. Everybody's Mm -hmm. got, they got their programs so good right now that it's so hard to compete because everybody's so fast and they have so much horsepower and it's just, it's gotten so out of control lately, but all these engine builders, I don't know many of them that have, you know, a house motor sitting there for not, I'm not talking about like Stuart freezing calling and and using one of his motors. I, I had no, real big block record before that like we've had some wins but i wasn't a full-time driver i didn't have a full ride like he helped out the little team more than he was for like you know the huge corporations that buy 15 motors at a pop right so that to me meant way more than absolutely anything i was like wow this guy that barely knows me we just came to you and bought our first motor from you and you're giving me a motor on the house to use like that's that was huge. And right then and there, I told him, I said, Billy, I don't care if people start offering me motors for free, man. I, I'm a loyal person. I said, you have my business for as long as I own it. If I own it, my father owns it. Paul owns it. We're we're going to Billy for everything. Oh, yeah. I mean, and yeah, that's a matter of not having any clout at that moment in time and being a low buck guy, a new guy, one win at that time. Yeah. Now, like you to your point, does Stu show up and say, hey. I'm in a jam like I need one. Well, I have a feeling that gets taken care of pretty quickly. Of course. But but ladies and gentlemen, that is true customer service. And that's how you get the job done. That is 1000% correct. I agree. And it's it's the crazy part, too, that uh, Kyle Armstrong after that wanted Billy the Kid Motor. So he called Billy and actually rented the motor to try it. And, you know, after he rented it, he goes, I want to buy one. So they bought a new one. So I think Billy's just he's above many people when it comes to customer service because of that. He has the option to let you not try a motor, but you know, it's, it's like a trial run. It's, it's something that you could try at Lebanon Valley. And I don't think they're getting much more horsepower than him. I could be wrong, but he, uh, he's a great guy. Him and his son, Curtis, they, they do a ton for us and he helps us out no matter what. Yeah. That, that's, that's, uh, that's just an awesome story to be honest. I, I, uh, I remember that happening because that was after I had met you and uh, I remember that happening. But 
I didn't know the whole story behind it. Yep. And a couple of days ago, I went back and I, I reread that story. And I'm like, that's freaking hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I'll, that's a story I'll tell for a very, very long time. And that's why, like, if anybody ever said anything wrong about Billy, like I'm, I'm a, like I said, I'm a loyal person. I stick up for my friends all the time. And man, I'm telling you, Billy can do no wrong in my eyes, especially because of that. Yeah, that's that's definitely a story that you're going to keep on the forefront of your mind for the rest of your life. That's for sure. So, um, you know, you were primarily a, a Lebanon Valley guy for the last few years. How tough is that place to run? <sighs> Man, where do I start? <laughs> um, it's uh, I, I like Lebanon Valley. I do. I'd never knock them. It's my home track. It's where my car owner wants to run every week. And that's what we're going to get. That's what we're going to do. It's where we're going to run. But I think it hurt me only running Lebanon Valley weekly because you learn bad habits there. Um, mm-hmm. And not to knock the place, it's just a different driving style. You're doing 135, 140 miles an hour, which most tracks you're not doing. Mm-mm. And you're coming to a standstill in the center of a corner, in the center of a paper clip, I should say. And you're relying on the banking to hold your race car. And then you drive off the corner and drive down a quarter mile drag strip and snap it sideways. And you do it all over again. And it's it's a repetitive deal that, if you take it somewhere else, you're never going to compete. You know, if I tried to race Middletown the way I do Lebanon Valley, I might as well stay home. And that I think hurt me because, you know, it's so expensive to race Lebanon Valley that you can't venture off to all these other racetracks. If you don't have a full ride, you're, you're putting all your heart and soul and all your money into one racetrack in you know, you're, you're just making it by, it's not possible to go race two, three nights a week at that point. So, and not, not to, not to mention that we have one motor strictly for Lebanon Valley. We call it our powerhouse. It's a very, very big, big block. That is huge horsepower. And I brought it to Middletown two years ago and I couldn't even touch the gas pedal. Wow. So we have to detune that motor. It's I want to say it's 870 horsepower from Billy the Kid. It's it's our biggest, fastest big block that we have, and we strictly just allow that motor to go to Lebanon Valley. So then again, like you buy a big powerhouse motor, and you, we went to Canandaigua with it, and I couldn't even touch the gas pedal. So it was a waste of money to have this you know super fast big block that you can't even put the power to the ground at other racetracks so that's what makes it tough you have to have a different car different engine to go to middletown or malta or or somewhere else without having to detune this engine yeah i mean and we see that around here you know between grandview big diamond bridgeport uh, a couple other places where you know they run spec motors and there are teams that have one motor for one track one for another one for on the road whatever it is but you know, Lebanon Valley is so unique in its shape and it's I call it, you know, it's like the Pocono straightaway. It's yep. so long and so fast. And then you hit like the Bristol turns. I and agree. They're narrow. And it, you know, from my point of view in the grandstands, it looks like it's concrete, like it's it looks hard. It looks rough. And it's got to take a lot of mindset and skill to get around there to do it competitively, let alone. Um, but yeah, I don't know that there's another track out there that picks up that much speed 
and down the straightaways like you guys do there. That's for sure. I try to explain to people all the time and they look at me like I'm absolutely out of my freaking mind. But the easiest way to explain Lebanon Valley is take the fastest car you can drive on the road. Okay. So a regular car, I drive a Chevy Silverado. If that thing hits a hundred miles an hour, it feels like it's going to fall apart. So that's the fastest it'll go. If you're in a car that'll do 140, go 140 miles an hour down the highway and pull the e-brake and turn left into the grass. That's what it feels like. And try to hold that. It's tough and try to put, you know, 28 drivers next to you side by side, three wide. And it's just, it's honestly scary how fast you're going in that the amount of people that can actually hold their own on their car there. It's, it's pretty amazing is what it is. That's yeah, that's, um, that's a great comparison. And I think that puts, uh, puts into a little bit of perspective, you know, the way you like to drive and the way, you know, how you run, you like to run the high side of things. October, you need to bring the big block to Port Royal. We, uh, it's funny you say that we wanted to go to Port Royal really bad this year. Our, uh, our excuse wasn't good enough. <laughs> we, we don't have many American racers and it's a lot to do Port Royal and then have our full force for dirt week and for Eastern States. So this year we're trying to put a deal together with another team to go out to Port Royal with their equipment so I can have my equipment for Eastern States and uh, dirt week. So uh, Port Royal is definitely on the schedule as of now. Um, I think the best feeling was a big block one. And that kind of, you know, lets my car owner and my, my markers know that our big block can compete there because we have one that's very comparable, mm-hmm. but you know, Stewie finished, I think he finished second with a spec motor. So yep. oh, I think it was an open 360. Yeah. Okay. So, and I, and I know he had his four four twenty there that blew up early on in the weekend. Yep. And just think about that though. You know, if you go out there with a spec motor and you have the weight break, who knows? Maybe you can even compete with that. You you, you never really know. I mean, after running, I ran Frankie Harper's uh, Billy the Kid three fifty eight. We won with it at Lebanon Valley. We finished second to Eastern States in twenty eighteen. And uh, that I think it was twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen. Yeah, uh, twenty nineteen it was. Um. Frankie's car was probably the fastest small block I've ever sat in in my entire life. I'd put that up against a lot of big blocks, honestly. Oh, yeah. So you finished second at the small block race Eastern States. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Did you not actually finish third and then Stewie finished, came up light? I finished third. Um, <laughs> Stewie, I, fin- Stewie came up light. Yes. In, uh, in, in CG's I have, car. I have nightmares about that race. I really do. Um it's a very sore subject to me. I passed Hearn with five laps to go for second. And I reeled Stu in and the caution came out. And Hearn just, just got by me on a restart. He did the same move I did to him. And I knew it was freaking coming. I don't know why I didn't block it, but he got me with three laps to go. And then he finished second. I finished third. Thought it was great. And meanwhile, I finished second because Stu was light. And then as I was rolling over the scales, I could have cried knowing that I just lost the race on that last restart. Well, you know what? It's happened to the best of them. No, you have to. Everybody always says you got to lose them before you win them. And hopefully that's the only one I lose like that because that that's stung. Yeah. But, you know, it, it 
comes with the territory. Like I said, it happens to everybody. That's for sure. I can name. I mean, you want to talk about losing a race. (laughs) Talk to Stu about 2010. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I like I like to subtly remind him of that. (laughs) <laughs> there was actually so i'll tell you i'll tell you a funny story so uh when was this this had to be like two years ago lawbach was running a regular saturday night show at bridgeport something happened when the caution came out that their scoring loop put him deeper than he thought he needed to be and he was not having it and he was trying to explain to them that no i'm restarting here not where you want me to be and it carried on for quite some time. And Rick now laughs about it because it's, you know, well said and done. But it was to the point where, like, Pimp went out there, like, hung on the Nerf bar, tried to take the steering wheel off, like, the whole nine yards. I remember that. I right. Remember that. So yeah. the, the next Tuesday was the Deo show at Diamond. And Stu's there. And I walk over and Pimp is showing him the video of what happened at Bridgeport. And I just walked over suddenly. I said, don't worry. It's not as good as 2010 at Eastern States. <laughs> I just walked away. <laughs> oh, that's great. You gotta give it to him. You got it. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, it always is. And you know what? For where he's at nowadays with his, uh, you know, he's got the truck deal and, and all that stuff. You know, it's always nice to remind him where he came from. Of course. Of course. <laughs> oh, you, you have to. And I bet you he finds that way more humbling, too, than everybody looks at the fame part. But it's nice when somebody puts you back into reality. Yeah. I just love that he walked over to T-Mac and Victory Lane and took the checkered flag out and broke it over his knee. <laughs> <laughs> and then handed it back to him. Um, fun. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. Um, so what kind of what kind of chassis are you running nowadays? So we have in our shop now. Um, we have three PMCs. We uh, made the switch to PMC in 2019. Um, end of 2018, beginning of 2019, we had a great uh, two seasons with him, and we are looking forward to running our PMCs again. Um, the guy, Tony, I was just talking about, great sponsor. He uh, came across a very good deal on a new Bicknell, so he bought that. And we're trying to figure out exactly what we want to do with that this year. If we're putting that together for Malta, if we're putting that together for the series, I'm not too positive as this is what we're doing, but we have a brand new PMC being built right now as well. And, you know, Paul's deal is all PMCs, and uh, just this other car owner has the one Bicknell as of now. So, we're gonna we're gonna figure out exactly which one we're gonna run where and and uh and go from there. I mean it's not fully set in stone. Every car will be built, so we could pick and choose where we want to go with each car. Right. But as of now, I mean there's there's a a 2015 TO sitting in there. That's one of the sportsman cars I ran last year. There's there's I think six cars, five cars, yeah, five cars right now in the shop, and there's the sixth one on the way. So. We're uh, we're gearing up for a for a huge season. Wow. So PMCs, uh, I don't know that anyone in PA runs them, to be honest. Uh, we're we're primarily uh, a lot of big now, a lot of TO Troyers uh, are still around and uh, a, a couple of DKMs and some Hick fabs. What is PMC? Where are they based out of? Uh, so it is Pete Michael Chutka is out of West Lebanon, New York. He's right by Lebanon Valley Speedway and I will tell you right now, if you talk to anybody who builds chassis, I don't care if it's TO, 
Pig Fad, Bicknell, they will all tell you that Pete is one of the guys that has one of the best workmanship you'll ever see. He's probably the best welder I've ever seen in my life. And a lot of people ran PMCs back in the day. He, okay. uh, he, he kind of died down a little bit for a few years and didn't do it as much and uh, doesn't build a ton of cars. And I mean, I hate to say it, but I'm really happy you just said that you don't think anybody in PA runs them. That's why I went to him. He uh, He's very one-on-one. He, he likes to try things and I like to do things out of the box and out of the ordinary. So he, uh, he's custom building us a car right now for 2021. And it's, it's to the specs that we all came up with together. It's not just your, you know, generic car that you go to buy and, you know, these are the specs and this is what everybody's running. So this is what you're going to have. No, this is a, this is a definitely a trial car that we're putting together and we're going to see if we can compete with all these other, these other manufacturers with him. Well, that's, that's good. I mean, it's, it's nice to see a, a, like another hat in the ring, another guy building cars and trying to, you know, stay competitive with uh, the big producers. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I really don't know that anyone runs PMCs that I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah, there might be some sportsman guys, but not many, not many modified guys are left. And, you know, it's it's not even like like P, of course, would love to he'd love for people to switch to him and get new PMCs. But, you know, I think I read the other day that Bicknell's up to some astronomical number that they're building this mm-hmm. year. Yeah, how many how many cars they build in a, in a year? But I believe Pete built I want to say ten cars last year. So when I say very one on one, I mean like I, I mean 2018, 2019, 2020, We bought three cars total. So out of the ten cars, we were you know a third of it. We you know, and that's and that's not a bad thing either. Not um, at all. You know, especially if you're meticulous and you want to know a lot of things about what's going on with your, with what they're building you. I mean, not saying that you can't get that elsewhere, but with the amount of production that's being done at other shops and he's only building a handful of cars a year, I can imagine you're getting a lot of FaceTime, you know, and and what's going on. Absolutely. And he's got, he's got everything. He's got the DRP pull down rig. Uh, He's got spring smashers. He's got shock dinos. He's, He's got the access to do anything you want to a race car besides the engine. You know, it's it's all the suspension work and you want to put, you know, a different style floor in the car. or You know, you want to do something different with the rear clip, whatever it is that you want to do. Pete can do it. It's not it's not like he's going to sit there and talk you out of it. He's going to give you his two cents as to why you probably shouldn't do it. But I think the the cool part is, is that, you know, I, I like to do different things on my own, even if. I don't want to say people don't agree with it. It's just, you know, if I want to make a change to my car, it's, it's one of those I live by, I live by my word. And, and if I'm wrong, I'll sit there and tell you I'm wrong. And, you know, Pete helps me with that. He, he puts, he puts my ideas together, you know, and welds them together for me is, is, is what he does. And like now the, the PMC that he really came up with the, the design for, we, we all sat down and figured it out and we're very like, I I'm, I'm stuck on it. I think it's going to be a rocket ship right out of the box. I really do. That's going to be our primary Lebanon Valley car. And I think it's going to be hard to beat. Good. Good. I, 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 I've never I, gone into a season like that either. I've always gone into a season saying, you know, eh, I'm not too sure. I hope it's going to be good. I just, I really, really, really do think that this is going to be the ticket that we need. Well, good. I mean, you've been around the game, not long, but enough now that you have a couple wins on your belt. 
You have some good finishes. Second in Eastern States, you can hang your hat on that forever. But um, you kind of know what you need, you know, and you're at a point now where, you know, you know what's underneath you. You know what's under the hood. You're well aware of what is going to be successful and what you need to be better. Of course. And, and the big thing is, too, is having the supporters behind you. I mean, I could... I could know what I need a hundred percent and, and I, I'm 25 years old. I, I can't afford to, to race on my own. And, you know, these, these different operations, there's some operations that are millions of dollars. And obviously I can't, I can't compete with that on my own. So we, uh, the best thing that we have going for us are all of our supporters believe in me. And, and, you know, if I called Paul today and said, listen, I really think we need to do this and it's going to make our program better. It's, if it's in the budget and if it's something we can we can make work it's it's going to happen so that's the best part i mean it's these guys are a phone call away and they, they know that anything that we're going to need to get it done we're going to work to get it that's good that's good uh i'm excited to see what you have in store for for this year that's for sure i mean um how's your back doing great i uh after my surgery like like i said before i I went on a very strict keto diet and I, I lost 50 pounds so far and that, that definitely helped and it makes it so I could be a little bit more mobile and uh, I feel good, man. I just going into this year, I've never felt so, so loose, so relaxed and I'm just, I'm ready to get this going. I mean, I, I think the main thing we're looking at now is, you know, we're going to go to Volusia and of course that, that didn't happen, whether, whether wanted to stop that for us, but um bristol coming quick that's that's a huge one on the first month of us racing and i think that's why i'm so excited to start the year i can't wait to get there yeah that's going to be very exciting i suggest you go back and watch the footage of the sprints and late models that ran there absolutely and and, uh just see what just see what uh what went on when they had dirt on there last time but you know lebanon valley's turns i could i call them bristol they look super banked they look tight there's, you know, there's kind of a comparison for you. So that's uh, why bringing our Lebanon Valley package there. I think, uh, I think the Lebanon Valley guys that are going to go, there's, there's a quite a few of us that are going there too, which is kind of surprising to me. But I think we're going to be, uh, we're going to be pretty good there. Good, good. So one last topic I wanted to, uh, you know, talk to you about. Um, there's been this stigma around big block guys hopping in crate cars over the past couple of years, uh, you know, devil's bowl runs on Tremont's always up there. Hern will get in a crate car. Um, you know, you're a driver that now does it. Is nope. it stepping down? Is it taking the little kids money per se? I I'm really happy that you asked that because I, I ran crate cars since 2012 uh, 2012 was my first season in one. And I believe it was 2015. I had already moved up into the 358s and big blocks. And Brett Hearn went to the hard clay open and ran the smoker's choice car and the crate car and won. And Michael Storms finished second, which was also a modified driver they allowed to go down. And I mean, people went freaking nuts because he moved down. There's two sides to every story. This is the way I look at it, and this is straight from the heart. Yes, I get it. If you're a low-dollar sportsman team, I've been there. I understand it's tough to compete against the higher 
the higher ranked drivers and the better equipment. I get that. But think about it this way. If you're a regular guy that races at Lebanon Valley, let's just say, and you run decent fifth, sixth, even 10th, whatever it is that you run weekly, if you're a winner or if you're trying to get there, but you can't just quite get there. And let's just say Brett Hearn moves down to race a sportsman car one week. If you beat Brett Hearn in a sportsman car, do you know how much more publicity you're going to get yourself? Oh, yeah. That's the way that I look at it. I feel like when I was leading the championship at Orange County 2014, we won the sportsman title. And if one of them moved down, I would have been the happiest person in the world. And it's not because we were leading the points, not because we were in the top five every single week. It was because... I have an opportunity to run against even better drivers and it's just going to make me better in the long run. You yeah. Know, I, I, I'm not a cherry picker. If there's a super dirt series race, at, let's just say Malta. And then there's a, there's a $5,000 to win race. That's all the way 15 hours away. And you know, nobody's going to go to that race. I'd rather go to the super dirt series race because I want to race against higher caliber drivers. It's just going to make me better. True. You're, you're you know, absolutely right. It's, it's I, the way I put it. I, I see it both sides. Yeah, I mean, we deal with that down here. Um, the 76er weekend, the night before is the 38er, the open sportsman uh, version of, of the big race. And lately, a lot of the modified guys are are getting into it, a, a 604 crate or an open sportsman, whatever it may be. And yeah. they're like smoking the field or they're coming from deep and they're just they're cleaning everybody to get to the front. Like it's, it's not even comparable. And, you know, I have my opinions on it. I, I get it to an extent. Look, this is, this is my theory. If it's guys trying to make money and they're, they're putting their own programs together and they're dedicating themselves to running more of these races than maybe once a year or twice a year where it doesn't, come across like oh you're just going to show up to win the big money kind of thing or you're not a higher gun per se i think it's different i, I think if, if they give you a higher gun where oh well they have this 10 grand to win race devil's ball oh stews in a crate oh imagine that kind of thing that's a little different than mm-hmm. a guy look doesn't tremont run regularly at devil's ball in a crate yes so I get it. He's his caliber of talent is way above what you would consider the average crate guy. No knock on anybody, but he dedicates himself to the program on a yearly basis and he runs the full schedule. That's way different. Exactly. But I, I, that's that's the hardest part. And I went to Orange County this year, so I'm, I'm kind of going to sound like a hypocrite here. But um, at Eastern States this season, um, they called it the 50 lap sportsman championship race and stated straight from Brett Hearn. He said, since it is a championship race for champions, we are allowing anybody to run the race. I understand that they were trying to get more cars. It was tough because of COVID. I understood all of it. And the way that I say it now is, listen, I'm 25 years old. I've been at this since I started in 2010. My first full year was 2012. So let's just say it was my eighth year. Okay. And yep. how old was Tanner Van Doren that one? 13. Tanner Van Doren. Uh, I think well, he just turned, I think he just turned 13. Okay. So 
I will say this to everybody out there. We got our asses kicked by a 12-year-old. Mm-hmm. And I the big block two nights a week, and I run as much of the Super Dirt Series as I possibly can, and a 12-year-old murdered us. <laughs> so I can sit here and say that with a smile on my face because I think that kid gave a reality check to everybody. I Every, think you're right. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how good your equipment is. That kid outdrove all of us. You know what's funny about him is two years ago, I think it was, at Action Track USA in Kutztown, where the, you know, a micro track, he ran slingshots. Yep. And he won. And they made a huge deal about this nine or 10 year old kid that won this slingshot race on a track that's, I think, an eighth, maybe a little bit bigger. And here we are two years later, and he just won Eastern States. <laughs> there are people that do this every week from when they were a kid to when they retire. Mm-hmm. You know, they could be 60 years old. I know people that went that long without winning a race. This yep. kid did it well. And he did it not at a weekly event. He won Eastern States weekend. That's yeah. He, did, he didn't win a non. He didn't win a non-winners race. He oh, exactly. He, he doesn't didn't. understand. Ten years from now, when that kid's sitting at the thirty-first lap with us drinking beer, he has bragging rights for life. Oh I yeah. Think I'm said about that. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, it's going to be one of those things where he's sitting there with us drinking beer at the 31st lap of Eastern States weekend. And, and we're going to be talking about, you know, how let's just say, you know, you won last year. Right. And he'll be like, yeah, well, 10 years ago, I won. Yeah, exactly. And I'll say, listen, <laughs> dude, I finished 10th that race and you were literally half my age. So <laughs> it's sad because he is literally half my age. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. it, it's a. Uh, you know, I was talking to Billy Pouch Jr. about this uh, the other week. Uh, there's just an influx of young kids on the rise. And I think I think as we see the shift where we're going to see the older statesmen go part time or just not want to try and compete on as a high level as they've been, you know, not calling her an old or anything. But, you know, he doesn't run the full series anymore like he used to. Yeah, I, and I think we're going to start seeing guys phase out and we're going to see this huge mass of kids, you Love. know, who are teenagers right now or, you know, 12. Um, they're all going to hit at like the same time. And I think it's going to be this new era. I agree. And I'm happy you say that because it, it puts me in a little better mindset because, you know, the last couple of years I've been thinking to myself when, you know, I love Billy Decker. I've I've always think he's a great driver, but Billy Decker, Tim Fuller, you know, Pat Ward, mm-hmm. Brett, Fremont, you go down the list of the guys that are, you know, 40, 50, 60 years old. Yeah. There's no way they have 10 years left. And I, I hate to say that. Like, yeah, I'll joke around with Brett and tell him he's old, but at the same time, he's still trying to do it as much as he possibly can, but he knows he doesn't have 10 years left to race. Well, look, Richie Yurick, has ran the Eastern States 200 for the last 50 years. Yep. You're half that age. There's no exactly. way that, I mean, hey, maybe there is, and he sets all kinds of records, but, you know, Alan Johnson's won a feature for the last, what, 48 seasons, something like that. It's these guys 
all have gray hair or no hair. Like they're visibly they're old. They're not ancient, but they're old. No, they're they're getting up there and they know they are. Right. And you know, I, I compare it to like I'm a huge super late guy and I'm watching these kids, the Hudson O'Neill, the Devin Moran, uh, not even Brandon Shepard or, or Richards. They're older. Um, yep. But these kids, you know, Tyler Brewing, Tanner English, they're all kids and they're all coming along right around the same time. And, you know, it's funny, like, look at Kyle Strickler, you know, and he's from my area. Yep. That's where he originated. Yeah, he's older than I am or he's right around my age. But he's like fresh meat for these super late guys and they're calling them young. It's hilarious. Exactly. But, exactly. But they're, these kids are all hitting around the same the same peak. And you, and you saw it with with sprint cars, um, you know, with like Sheldon and, and Logan Shuhart, Jacob Allen, all those guys hit around the same time. I think we have yet to see. We're going to see that next era where we had Stu, Larry, uh, Shepard, all those guys come in right around the same time. I think in the next five to 10 years, we're going to see another wave. I agree. And, and I, I think the best part about that too, is these older gentlemen that are getting out of racing at that point, there's going to be some big rides open. Yes. And I think that's where, you know, listen, I, I get it. I'm young, but there's kids that are younger than me that are going to be a part of that wave. So I'm trying to jump on it now. So Let's just say a big ride opens up in the dirt series in the next three years. If I can get into it now, get into the dirt series, get my my feet wet and get established into the series and all of that. You know, if that ride opens up, it's something I need to get into at that point before that wave comes. So right. it's like it's a catch twenty two. I, I gotta do it now before those kids get into it because once that wave comes, I'm telling you right now, there is going to be rides opening absolutely everywhere. And once they're full, it's gonna be tough to get them. But I'm going to tell you this, and I and I you know and I look at it this way too now. So around my area, we have the big three. We have Strunk, Von Doren, and Howard. They've been yep. the stable top three for the last thirty years, and all those guys are getting up there. They're getting there. They're not there yet, but they're getting there in age. Absolutely. But you know what? If you look at the notable car owners of the generation that I've watched for the last twenty years, they're not young either. No. So, and that's one thing you've taken into consideration is these big name rides that might open up over time. The car yep. owners age as well. So, what I'm going to tell you is maybe just establish your car owner as being a top guy. I agree. And he's he's totally cool with that too. I mean, when we first started, he always said, you know, I want to get you established for the next level. And it's like, okay, then I understand you, you want to get to a certain point and then not go further than that. And that's how it started. And then he wanted to own just the Lebanon Valley stuff, one car, one motor and all of that. And then it took off completely last year. And now he's like, he's fully gung ho and going to all these different races and, you know, traveling and going to Eastern States, go to Oswego and, you know, it's it's huge now. And like once I look at that, it's like you're 100 percent right. We're actually establishing him to get to that point. And, and it's huge because he is an April Park strike by Lebanon Valley. But I feel like he would venture off to other tracks and run weekly tracks, different ones at some point, too. I really do. And, I, and it's huge. I, I think we can mold that together. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I look at it. 
you know, fans are going to see the same things or other things that I saw when I first saw you at, at Orange County in 2017. I didn't know who you were. Yep. But I'll tell you what, that paint scheme stuck <laughs> out like a sore thumb. Absolutely. And no, and no lie. That was the first thing that I was like, who the hell's that kid? Like, never heard of him. He could be a schmuck, but he could be really good. I just don't know who he is. But I was like, I got to get to know who that person is. That car is fucking badass. And you got Snap-on as a sponsor. That's a huge, huge brand name. So there's got to be something there. Well, you know, as you and I have had a friendship now for about four years, you know, it's one of those things where people are going to know who you are. Your name's easy to remember. And your car, you can pick out of a lineup of 100. So and now that you're running up front more consistently, you've been in victory lane. It's all coming full circle. It's all coming to a head. Maybe slower than you wanted to, but it's coming. Of course. I think. I, I'm a I'm a humble person. I I uh I work harder to get to where I am and and I've been working my ass off, man. I, this isn't been a gimme under any circumstances at all. But when it comes to the cars looking good and all that, I'll give my father a shout out because he owns an auto body shop here in Danbury and the, uh, it doesn't even have to necessarily be orange. His favorite color is orange, as you can see, because our cars are always so bright. But mm-hmm. he even says the same thing. Like, I'm not just representing my car owner. But I'm re- representing my sponsors, and my father does sponsor our race team. So we have to represent an auto body shop. That means we got to look good. You know, Absolutely. You, never see, you never see a snap-on toolbox roll out of the back of the truck, and it's dirty. You know, or it doesn't shine. It, it, we have to. My my father is there all the time. He goes, yeah, I think you should wax this car before you put it in the box. And I'm like, all right. You know, like, I, I like that, though, because it puts us right back into, you know, looks are they're not everything, but it's the first thing they see. Yep, absolutely. Well, man, uh, I don't know about you, but I'm ready to watch some heat races with uh, big blocks down at Volusia and see what's in store for the rest of the night. Absolutely. I got myself a white claw right here and I'm, I'm going to watch it all myself. Is that a white claw with or without vodka in it? Oh, come on, man. You know me. You always got to put the vodka in it. Oh, I'll never I'll, forget I'll that. Ta- <laughs> this one just for you. <laughs> I'll never forget that. <laughs> I will say that for all the listeners out there, I I should be a bartender. Um, Take your white claws. Pour a shot of Deep Eddie's Lemon Vodka in your White Claw and thank me later. Yep. And uh, LJ will forever remind you of that as well. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Yep. Um, All right, man. Uh, You now have my number. So you're going to get a hold of me. Shoot me a text anytime, man. It's a a pleasure talking with you. I haven't seen you in a while. But uh, we're going to change that in 2021 for sure. I agree. No, I, I definitely, I appreciate what you do for this sport and it's awesome to see, you know, people get drivers more involved with the behind the scenes thing. I, I appreciate that a hundred percent. Hey, not a problem, man. It's a pleasure having you on. All right. We'll, we'll be in touch soon. Absolutely, man. Take care. Awesome. Thank you. Yep. See ya.